he's issuing a warning to the people that are in our generation. We're living the last part of our generation. Amen. Uh, I'm, I'm one of the youngest here tonight next to the ham bone. But I'm 55 and I'm old. When you really get looking at it, I'm old. I have lived more years than I probably will live on. And as time goes on, as you well know, the body don't do what the body used to do. And uh, we need some folks that's ready to step up yes, and go forward. Yes, and I am so do. appreciative of all of you and how you prayed and how you, how you stood behind this ministry. And I know that God's going to do some wonderful things. But we have got to make a conscious effort to allow these kids to know that they have a part here at Living Water Worship Center. And to reach out and do all we possibly can. The problem with trying to reach out and, and so in Joshua, I'm sorry, Judges chapter number two. It says, and an angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochum and said, I made you to go up out of Egypt and have brought you unto the land which I swear unto your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. Can the church say amen? Yeah. Now I want you to see something before we go any further. The place of Gilgal was the place, the first place when Joshua came over the, uh, the River Jordan. That was the first place that the uh, children of Israel encamped in the Promised Land. And as they camped there, they set up 12 stones of monuments to let everybody know that this is what God done for us. He brought us across into this Promised Land. And the very first thing they did in their territory is they erected an altar unto God and they put that monument there. And in that area, they actually made a little sanctuary where people could come together and they could worship the Lord. And that evening, as they joined in there, God made a covenant with those people and he ratified the covenant. The covenant was made before that, but he reaffirmed the covenant. He renewed the covenant. And every man was circumcised. And this was the place where God got a promise from man that he was going to live for him and God promised them that he was going to take care of them. This was the place, Gilgal, was the place where God's presence dwelled and where people got close to the Lord and they were blessed and they came and they worshiped the Lord and they sacrificed the Lord as to the Lord. And as time went on, Samuel actually went there and sacrificed and it was the camp where everyone came together. So when worship services was going on, the people of Israel would go back to Gilgal. Now Gilgal has a very strong spiritual significance for you because God does not put any word in the scripture without his meaning and having a direct meaning for you to listen to. The word Gilgal means a rolling away of your shame. And there in that avenue where God brought them in, God began to roll the shame away of Egypt. He took away all the shame of the false gods and the worship that they had had, and he rolled away their shame. In other words, he gave them a clean slate with God. This was a generation at the time when they came in, they had not known the Lord. They had not seen the Lord, but there were two people that were still alive. Everybody say two. Two. There were two people that had seen God and or saw God's actions and saw his works, that being Joshua and Caleb. And they instructed and taught the people that came across the Jordan River and told them why a covenant 
was necessary. And they told them and explained to them that the God that they served was the only true and living God and that God demanded for them to live for him and to live for him entirely and have no other gods before him. And now the angel of the Lord leaves Gilgal and goes to meet the people in Bochum. The word Bochum means the place of weeping, the place where your heart is broken, a place where you have no joy, a place where the situation has went so bad in your life that you can't have any type of happiness. And we see the angel of the Lord left from Gilgal and went to Bochum. And I want you to notice there it was the angel of the Lord. Back in Joshua, this same angel showed up as they come up to Joshua. As he come up to Joshua, and Joshua walked up to him and he said, Who are you for with us or you're against us? Are you for the adversary? And he said, I'm here for neither. In other words, in our original language, I'm not here to come on your side and I'm not here to come on your enemy's side. I have showed up to take over. And this angel is Jesus himself. Jesus now shows up and he comes out of Gilgal, the place of peace, the place of blessing, the place of covenant, the place of worship, the place of sacrifice. And he follows his people to the place of weeping the place where they have fell. I want you to see this downward spiral that these people had went to. They had actually turned their back already on him. And he looked at me and he says, I was the one that made you to go up out of Egypt and I brought you into the land that I swear unto your fathers. And I said to you, I promised to you, I will never break my covenant with you. Everybody here tonight just say thank you, Lord. Thank you. Jesus has promised us that he will never, ever break his covenant with us. So the day and the hour that you came to the altar, I don't care if you were five or you were 95, if you came to the altar and you sat at that altar and you were serious and you made a covenant with the Lord, you better believe that Jesus was serious and God was serious. And God said, I'll never break my covenant with you. So tell your neighbor, say, I'm in covenant with the Lord. Now, even if you got up from the back pew and you came to the altar and you went through the motions and you stood up here and you mouthed the words that you were going to serve the Lord and you were not 100% serious, God still won't play in no games. He was serious. So now God is serious about what we're doing here. And he says, I have promised you I will never break my covenant for you. In other words, when you need me, I'm going to be there. When I said I'm going to do something, I'll do it. When you need a healing, I'll show up and I'll heal you. When you need deliverance, I'll be the one to deliver you. I will do what I said that I would do. Now notice this. He said, I told you this. Now look at verse 2. He said, and ye shall make no league with the inhabitants of this land. And ye shall throw down their altars. But you have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? Now, I brought you out of Egypt. I told you I wouldn't go back on you. I told you that I would not leave you alone. I told you I would deliver you. I told you that I would heal you. I told you no plague would come nigh your dwelling. I told you that if you listened to me and you did what I told you to do and you followed my instructions, that I will fight the battle for you. It will not just be you that needs to fight the battle. I will fight the battle for you. Yes, amen. I also told you that you cannot have a synchronization of your 
living with their living. You can't take your religion and your beliefs and join it together and synchronize a religion that is man-made and a religion that is God-made and try to create another religion. If you do that there, and you do not tear down their altars, he says, there's going to be consequences. Now he says, why have you done that? In other words, why in the world are you creating a religion that I didn't create? Why are you trying to synchronize the religion that I have given you, my system that I've given you with the system of the world? Why is it in our language today, why is it that you are trying to create a form of godliness but you do not have the power thereof? Why have you done this? I think that is a rippling conviction to the church of Jesus Christ right now. Because the church of Jesus Christ right now uh, in general has a relationship with the world and a relationship with God. We are trying to live for the Lord but holding on to the world at the same time. We are wanting to lead people to the Lord but we want to use the worldly means to get them into the church. When you come into the church, and I know people don't like me when I say this and they can't hardly stand me in Bladenboro because one of the largest churches here in Bladenboro is a nightclub. And I'm telling you, that's exactly what it is. And I believe that the world should be able to walk into the church and see something different than what the world sees outside. And I believe, and I'm not putting my mouth on, I'm just saying it's wrong. It is a synchronization of a worldly religion and God's religion. And God said, I can't bless a religion that I did not create. Y'all with me tonight, amen? So he goes on and he says, I ask you why. He said, and I want to know why you have not obeyed my voice. Turn to your neighbor, look at him right quick and say, why haven't you obeyed the Lord? You see, God can be very poignant sometimes, Angie. He can point it on you just so tight. He can say, why is it that you've done this? And that's what he's asked here. Then he goes further and he says, Wherefore I also said, Wherefore I also said, I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall be as thorns in your sides, and their gods shall be a snare unto you. And it came to pass when the angel of the Lord spoke these words unto all the children of Israel that the people lifted up their voice and they wept. And they called the name of that place Bochum and they sacrificed there unto the Lord. I want you to notice something. From that day on, God or Jesus himself told them, he said, from this day on, here's what's going to happen. Because you did not follow my command." Because you did not do what I asked you to do. Because you have not done exactly what I do and took your enemy completely out and claimed your territory. And because you have not obeyed me and tore down all of this false religion. He said, from this day forward, I will not drive them out before you. I will leave them in the land and they will become a snare unto you. They will become thorns unto you. They will be a prick to you for the rest of your life. What a bad judgment on people. Amen. Verse 4 says, And when it came to pass, the angel of the Lord spake these words unto all the children of Israel, that the people lifted up their voice and wept. How many of you have seen people play with God? Amen. Amen. How many have seen people come to the altar and they'll look like they have asked the Lord to forgive them? Look like they have asked the Lord. They go through all the motions. They cry. Boy, they can fill up to a whole box of Kleenexes crying over all this stuff. But in just a week or two, they're right back doing exactly what they were doing before they come to the altar. Exactly. 
I want to share with you that outward show of emotion is not true repentance. True repentance is when you change your mind and you totally detest what you used to be in. You hate it so much you do not want to get in it again and you refuse to go back in it again. True repentance is when you take a turnabout and you turn around and you walk away from what you have been in. In other words, if that is your problem and you detest it to the point to where you don't want to be in that problem anymore, you leave it alone and you never touch it again. Repentance is when you have a change. You can go through the outward emotion all you want to. It is a form and a fashion. It is not the power of God. The true power of God is a changed life and a changed heart. And the sad fact in the church is there's not a whole lot of changed lives and changed hearts anymore. A lot of people are going through the motions and everybody sees it. And now the world is looking at it and they say they can go up there and shout down the glory of God, but they can cuss me out in two days. I want to share with you today in this year coming, God is about to clean his church up. God is beginning to clean his church up because there is a weapon and a tool sitting in the church right now that God has got to use to win the next generation. And if we don't get in line with it, God is going to make that weapon. He's got to have that weapon. And if you're going to stay in the church, you're going to become that weapon that's going to reach out of the generation. And that weapon is a changed heart and a changed life. Amen. Am I talking to anybody tonight? Looking forward. They wept and they sacrificed there unto the Lord. Now, do you see anything there that says God forgave them? There's nothing in that scripture that says God forgave them. Do you see anything there where the situation changed? No. They went through the outward emotion at Angie. They went to church. They kept going back. They kept crying. They kept boo-hooing. But we don't see anything in here where God said, all right, everything's all right now. Then what happens next? And it says, and Joshua, when Joshua had let the people go, the children of Israel went every man into his inheritance to possess the land. And then it said, and the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. And Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timotheris, in the Mount of Ephraim on the north side of the hill Gaosh. And also... All that generation were gathered into their fathers. In other words, everybody died. And there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. This get very poignant. Turn to your neighbor tonight and ask him this. Say, if everybody here tonight, ask your neighbor, say, if everybody here tonight, died right now would living water exist if everybody in this church tonight died right now tonight and you could I'm not saying you're going to it's just a question it's a situation who would start opening this church who would be the one that pastors this church Who would be the one that would step up and take the microphones and start singing? Who would be the one that would start teaching Sunday school? 
Who would be the one that would take care of the breakfast that we have on Sunday morning? Who would start doing the street ministry on Monday? Who would be here for prayer on Thursday? Who would be doing the Friday night service that we have right here? Who would be doing that? Can anybody name one person that would do that? Oh, man. That's why we got to look at this tonight. Because this church has got to grow. And we got to grow this year. And I'm blessed and I'm thankful that we've got some people here that know how to pray, that know God, that have seen his works, and they can testify how great God actually is. But we're missing something and we have got to do something. We've got to step out of our comfort zone and we've got to take this generation that is behind us and they are going to start to have to see in us that God is alive, that God can change a heart that is hard, and God can deliver his people and God is their answer. Amen. Are y'all with me tonight? You got it now. Amen. And then it goes on and it says, verse 10, All that generation was gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them, and they knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. I want to give you some statistics. I read it this week from Barna. Less than 10% of children from the age of 13 to 30 go to church. Less than 10%. Of that 10% that comes to the church, less than 2% come ever service. Less than 2%. Of those 2%, right at 2% that come ever service, less than 25% say they are Christians. What does that mean? That means less than 2.5 out of 10 has seen and experienced Jesus Christ. When you step from age 30 to age 55, less than 35% go to church at all. Of that 35%, less than 15% go to church every service. See, here's what's happening. And those of you listening online, you really need to hear this. Your children has watched you stay home time and time and time and time and time and time again. Come up with any excuse that you can come up with not to come to the house of God. They know that Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night is supposed to be the hours that you are to be in church. And they see you sitting at home. There are other people out in the world that know that you say you are a Christian, but yet they pass by your house on Sunday morning with your door open and they see you sitting there in the recliner with your feet kicked back watching the football game. Something's wrong. They have seen you say you love the Lord, but not show them that you love the Lord. Oh, help Amen. us, Jesus. Amen. They have seen the church proclaim that there is a living God and that God should be number one, but we have not made him number one in their eyes. And they are not up for any type of shenanigans. Whether you realize it or not, this generation behind us is searching for the truth. They are trying to find the truth. They are hunting for the truth badly. That's the reason why they need the church more than they need anything in the world. They need God in their life. But they do not know the Lord and they do not know or seen that God has worked. They don't know that God is a God that can heal you immediately. They've yeah. never seen it. They've heard it, but they've never seen right. it. They don't know the God that can reach down and pull them out of the deep and miry clay. They know, don't know the God that says, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I yeah. shall repay. You don't know because somebody and you don't need to try to kill somebody to 
is even. They don't know what it's like to deal with rejection and be able to go to the Lord where he says, bring unto me all those that are weary and heavy laden. And he says, I've come to heal the brokenhearted. They don't know where the out is where you can get the healing of your broken heart. So in order for them to really have some relief and some pain, they go to the bottle or they go to the yeah, stick or they yeah. go to the peel or they go over there to the joint and they're happy. They're just messed all up trying to get their mind off of what hell is doing to them and the church is just going on their merry way going through the same old ritual and now it's time God says that I get my power back into the house of God yes. one more time yes. amen truth of the matter is we're just like the church of that time they did not recognize the hour of their divine visitation they didn't know when God came they didn't know that Jesus was going to show up there in Bochum they didn't know the time of the Lord's visitation. And I want to share with you what happens in the church most often than not. When God or when Jesus really does show up, it's at the height of the church's disobedience. And he does that to bring repentance into our life. Amen. They did not know the method of the Lord's visitation. He was seen coming from Gilgal, the place that had given the most past help in their life. What God will do to his own children is he will show up in your life and carry you back to a time in your life where you are about ready to blow your brains out and share with you, if I hadn't have been there on your side right then, you wouldn't be here right now. Why have you walked away from me? We can sit here all night long if we want to and proclaim to ourselves that we're living as holy as we can possibly live. But the truth is God wants us to go back to our first love. The very first day that we made that connection unto God and we made a covenant with the Lord that he was going to be our God and we were going to be his children. Are you serving him in the zeal that you used to have way back then? Are you attending church the way you did way back then? Are you reading your word the way you did way back then? Are you honoring him with your gifts and your time and your ability and as you did way back then. If you can sing, are you singing? If you can teach, are you teaching? If you are praying, are you showing up at the prayer services? If you can. If you can preach, are you the one that's preaching? Or are you sitting on the back pew letting your grandchildren bust tail wide open and it don't bother you anymore? We've got to wake up, church. Smile at me because I'm not getting on you. This is the Holy Spirit talking to us tonight. Amen. Hmm. Verse 11 says, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. Balaam and Ashtaroth was the religion that was out in the world at that time, the Canaanites. And the children of Israel now, the generation that come up that did not know God, didn't know his works. They held on to God because mama served God. They held on to God because daddy served God. And they would go to Gilgal and they would offer sacrifices unto the Lord every week, every month. But when they had the little thing out there for Balaam and they had a little thing out there for Ashtaroth, they traipsed right into the arena that they had going on. You see, here's what happened with Balaam. In the Balaam's festivals, they would have a bunch of prostitutes jumping around naked, scantily clad, and they jump up and down, and they were standing there ready to take any man that wanted to be able to be with them to go into the very temple and to have sex with them, and he could pay for it. That's what was going on 
on top of all of that there, they had a great big concert when all this was going on. They got together every week. They'd have a great big old concert, and people would jump out there, and they would play the drums, and they'd pipe music up so loud, and they did it for one reason and one reason only, because them prostitutes, when they had babies from the men that they had been with, because there was no type of child protection at that time. There was no birth control at that time. When they birthed the baby, they would carry the baby, and they would lay it on this idol, and they would sear that baby and waste that baby away and burn that baby up and they played that music so loud that the people that knew about God did not hear that baby scream and that's what's going on in the world today our generation behind us is screaming on a daily basis y'all with me tonight yes, sir. they are hollering out for help on a daily basis now a lot of us think that when they holler out for help that the only way you can help them is to give them money. I'm going to tell you that's the last thing you need to do is give them money. Yes. They don't know how to deal with the money. They don't know how to handle the money. Mama didn't know how to handle the money. Daddy didn't know how to handle the money. That's the worst thing you can do. The more money you give them, the more they stay in the situation that they're in. Yes. They will not come out of it. They're going to have to have a challenge of belief. They're going to have to have a time in their life where they confront the challenge that's in their life. And somebody's got to hear them screaming so they can be delivered. They're going have to be like the prodigal son and hurt and lose everything they got some of them before they come to the understanding that there is a God still at home waiting for me and until they hit that arena and they deal with that pain and they come back willingly then we are going to lose this generation oh my Lord this is strong tonight are y'all with me tonight amen they didn't know the spirit of the Lord's visitation this generation that is behind us I want to share something with you they are literally scared to death of God if you really sit down and talk with them they're scared of God they've been told that God is a God of judgment that God is a God that literally will beat the daylights out of you when you mess up that God is a God. They don't see the fact that if Ben don't attend to the church like he should, pay his tithe like he should, that if Ben's got some problems, that God is a God of mercy and still gives him his breath on a daily basis. They don't see that. They see God as a God that is sitting there trying to poke him any time they can possibly poke him because when mama wanted him to straighten up, that's when they invoke God. Oh, help us, Jesus. Amen. Very rarely in their house was mama or daddy explaining to them your God loves you. And very rarely was it daddy that was tucking that child into the bed and telling him a bedtime story about Moses or Noah or any of them. It was all thrown off to the mama. The child there literally was thrown off to themselves and they were thrown into the back room to let Mario babysit them and nobody heard about the Lord. In fact, there was children's church into the church and they put them out there in the church in another room over there for them to run around and play and they wouldn't made to sit in the church on the pew like I was when I was five years old and said you're going to sit here and you're going to act like you got some brain. That's right. That's right. Help us, Lord. Help us Lord. Can I really talk tonight? Amen. Smile at me over here. Y'all bother me. <laughs> the truth of it is we have filled this generation strongly and now God is calling us back to Gilgal. He's calling us back to the time that he rolled our shame away. How many of you were so grateful tonight that you met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? 
How many of you shouted down the glory of God when you realized that you didn't have to go to hell? How many of you realized that when you got to the point where you realized that God loved you no matter how bad you were or where you were at, that nobody could change anything? you had some hope for the first time in your life? How many of you knew that your life was going to be alright? How many of you had some joy and you laughed and you had a good time and things changed? Our young people need to see that. Amen. They did evil in the sight of the Lord and they served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers which brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they followed other gods. Other gods of the people that were round about them and they bowed themselves unto them and they provoked the Lord under anger. We all read that last little line out for me. They provoked the Lord under anger. And Janice, I believe the reason why the Lord has put this on my heart so is because this generation behind us is right at the point to where they have provoked the anger of the Lord. They're that close. I honestly believe that this generation that is behind us is the call generation. I believe that is the generation that God wants to usher in the very power of Almighty God. I believe that is the generation that will be the greater generation that's ever been on the face of the earth. And the glory of the latter house will be greater than any other present house. I believe that the move of God is going to show up in this next generation. And we're going to see God show up and it's going to be a move like we ain't never seen before in our life. I believe it will literally, just literally amaze Peter, James, and John if they were down here to see what God is going to do in and through and by this next generation. I believe that God has laid his anointing on his call on. And that's the reason why, Rose, that the devil's trying to kill your children. He's trying to kill your grandchildren. He's trying to get them to dope it up to where they literally overdose. He's trying to get them to the point that their life is held down in poverty and they don't feel like that anything can happen and they're sitting here going through divorce after divorce, going through a jail stay after a jail stay, sitting there cutting themselves trying to kill them. I believe that the devil knows this is the generation that God is wanting to use and he's doing everything he can to keep them away from the church and it's time for us to rise up with the war and the love of Almighty God and let that generation know there's still hope for them. But they got to see it in us. They got to see it in us. I said they got to see it in us. They got to start understanding that mama ain't playing the role of a hypocrite. That daddy ain't playing the role of a hypocrite. That if you're living right for God, you're living right for God. That you ain't playing around anymore. That you took your vow to God seriously and you're going to do what God wants you to do. God says attending church is your reasonable service. That means that's the least thing you can do for the Lord. And if you can't come to church, you you got a problem with your covenant with yes, God. Sir. Yes, sir. That's the smallest thing that you can do for the Lord. Oh my God, help us out here. The church really needs help in the house of God here. Amen. This generation is very close to provoking the anger of the Lord. Verse 13 says, And they forsook the Lord and served Balaam and Ashtaroth. As time goes on now, with this generation that don't know God, that didn't know his words, they let go of God completely. And they start serving Baal and they start serving Ashtaroth. It is the same thing that's going on in the church today. The same thing's going on in the world today. I read in that article as they surveyed 1,000 kids from 18 to 25, 1,000. 82% said there was no God. 
Hit that in your heart just a minute. Out of 1,000 kids from 18 to 25, they said there was no God. The devil has infiltrated our school system. He's infiltrated our society. He's infiltrated every institution that there is in America. And he has taught these kids when they were coming up as we sit back and let them take prayer out of school, take the, the prayer out of school, take the, the Bible lessons out of school, take God out of school. We have sat back and let them take them out of our Congress and take it out of the White House and out of our politics. And now they're trying to take it out of every office that there is around here. We've sat back, not said a word. And now the price is that out of that there, there is almost 80%, a little over 80%, that says there is no God. 18 to 25. Don't that turn your heart up? Don't that stir you up on the inside? Look at what verse 14 says. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. Now Israel is the called of God. Turn to your neighbor right beside me and say, I am the called of God. Now, now the Bible says there that that generation provoked the anger of the Lord. But it didn't say he got angry with that generation. It said he got angry with Israel. Mm. I believe that we are right at the point where the anger of the Lord is hot when it comes to the church. The anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he delivered them into the hands of the spoilers and spoiled them. And he sold them into the hands of their enemies round about so that they could not any longer stand before their enemies. Whithersoever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil, as the Lord had said and as the Lord had sworn unto them, and they were greatly distressed. Look at me real good. Do not believe that God will not fight against you. Do not believe that. I don't care if you're his child, if you're trying to live for him, do not believe that. He will fight against you if he gets angry enough. I want you to hear that. That's in the scripture. Just because we're under the covenant of grace does not take that away from us. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. We've already got enemies in this world. Amen? Amen. Why in the world do we want God's anger on top of all of the enemies? Do we? Is there anybody here tonight that wants anything to have anything with God against us? How many of you want the blessings of the Lord in your life? How many want God to show up for you when you need him to show up for you? Show out for you when you need him to show out for you. Be there for you when you need him. I want you to know I want the devil to drive my enemies out of my time. I want the devil to be driven out of my territory. And I want God to drive the enemies of, the, of my life out of my territory by the power of the Holy Ghost. But if I'm not living right, God said I will not drive them out. That's the reason why you're fighting like you're fighting. That's the reason why you can't seem to get ahead. That's the reason why you can't get over that financial situation. That's the reason why you can't seem to overcome that problem in your life. It's because something's wrong in your life and in your covenant with the Lord. And God is calling us back to a situation where we get serious with the Lord and make that covenant number one in our life one more time. Amen. Oh my God, can I help anybody tonight? Amen. Then it went on. They were greatly distressed. And I like the next word in verse number 16. Everybody read it out real loud. It says, nevertheless. Say again, say nevertheless. nevertheless. Church tonight, holler out and say nevertheless. nevertheless. It don't matter.
matter how bad things has got been. It don't matter how bad things has got Thelma. It don't matter how bad things are, Tina. It don't matter how bad the devil's fighting your family. It don't matter how bad things has got in the church and how many children ain't coming to the church. It don't matter how close it looks that we're about to lose these children. God said, nevertheless, I, the Lord will raise up judges and I'll deliver them out of the hand of them that spoiled them. And I believe in 2022, God is about to raise up some brand new judge spirit and he's beginning to raise it up in his church and people that know God and know his works are going to begin to move in the anointing power of almighty God and change and that generation is coming after us and God is going to show up one more time and deliver us out of hell's plans and deliver us out of the spoilers and we're going to walk in the victory of almighty God one more time before we go home. Everybody holler out and say, nevertheless. That's my title tonight. Everybody holler out and say, nevertheless. I want you to just look at the devil and say, nevertheless. It doesn't matter how bad I've been in the past. It doesn't matter how much i failed in the past. It don't matter how much i walked away from my covenant in the past. I am making up my mind right now under the power of Almighty God. I am going to get back to my first love. I'm going to get back to what I used to do. I'm going to get excited about church again. I'm going to get excited about reading my Bible again. I'm going to get excited about giving my time. Again. I'm going to get excited about showing up at prayer again. I'm going to get excited about fellowshipping with my children and my brothers and my sisters in the Lord. I'm going to get excited about my Lord one more time and I'm going to have God raise me up so I can deliver these children from going to hell because that's why we're here in Living Water Worship Center. Everybody say nevertheless. Next verse really scares you. And yet they would not hearken unto their judges. But they went whoring after other gods and they bowed themselves unto them and they turned quickly out of the way which their fathers walked in, obeying the commandments of the Lord, but they did not so. And when the Lord raised them up judges, then the Lord was with the judge and he delivered them out of the hand of their enemies. All the days of the judge, for it repented the Lord because of their groanings by reason of them that oppressed them and vexed them. And it come to pass when the judge was dead that they returned and corrupted themselves more than their fathers and following other gods to serve them and to bow down unto them. They ceased not from their own doings nor from their stubborn way. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he said, because that this people has transgressed my covenant, which I commanded their fathers and have not hearkened unto my voice, I also will not henceforth drive out any from before them of the nations which Joshua left when he died, that through them I may prove Israel whether they will keep the way of the Lord to walk therein as their fathers did keep it or not. Therefore, the Lord left those nations without driving them out hastily, neither delivered he them into heavens, into the hands of Joshua. In the United States of America today, in this world today, there is an attitude that God has got to deal with. And that attitude is that we feel like that we are our own. Women today are marching on the Washington, D.C., explaining this is my body. You can't do, tell me what I need to do with my body. But let me share with you. Yes, you can. If you believe that tonight, 
And when you leave this church or you leave wherever you're going right now, take all your clothes off, jump in your car and drive 150 miles an hour down the road and see what somebody can do with your body. They can put you right in the jailhouse and they can incarcerate you for the rest of your life. We got an idea that our time is our time. When God says, I have given you every minute, every second that you live in your life, that your life is not yours, that your body is not yours. We have developed the attitude that our possessions are our possessions. But the Bible says that the everything that there is on the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. We have reached to the level in our life that where everything about life is about us. We can pinpoint and point out a narcissist anywhere there is around there when the truth of the matter is when it comes down to the bottom line, we have a bunch of narcissists ourselves because it's all about us. Oh, don't tell me I got to go to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, pray out there and, and, and hand out sandwiches on Monday and pray on Thursday and then go to church on Friday. Don't you put all that on me because I ain't got time for all that. Oh, help us, Lord. Amen. Amen. And, and I understand nobody can't do all of that. I can't do all of that. I realize that, but it's the attitude that you approach with that. Yeah. I believe everybody understands that if you're working, you can't be here to pray. I understand that. There, And I don't think that everybody should be here every Thursday. I just think that maybe every now and again you ought to love your Lord enough to where you can show up. You yeah. show up. Amen. 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 I believe if the church is doing something other to bring honor and glory unto the Lord, that maybe, just maybe, you make enough of time to drive the 10 to 15 to 14 miles that it's going to take you to get to the house of God and take an hour out of your day to make sure that what the church is trying to do to reach your grandchildren is getting accomplished. Amen. Help us, Lord. Amen. Amen. God says that our Time is not ours. Our talents are not ours. Our gifts are not ours. Our monies are not ours. Our possessions are not ours. But we are living in our life that we are our own. But I got truth for you tonight. And the truth is we are not our own. We have been redeemed from bondage by God. We have been brought out of those conditions in our life and our redemption required that we should be in no league with our enemy at all. We are not to be interrelated with our enemies anymore. If God brought you out of it, he wants you to stay out of it. That's right. That's if he delivered you from it, he don't want you back in the crack house. If he took you away and delivered you from alcohol, he don't want you at the ABC right, store and right. running into the convenience store to run up with your drug connection and your drinking buddies. He wants you to be delivered. If he took you off of them pills, he wants you to get off them pills and leave them pills alone. Oh, help us, Lord. If he has delivered you, he wants you to stay delivered. Amen. Yes, amen. We're not to be in league with him. We are not to ally ourselves with God's enemies because when we do, we make God our enemy. Right. And I want to tell with you, we got enough of enemies to fight than to have God as our enemy. Amen. Oh, wow. The Bible says that he called you for you to go in and throw down their altars. He called you to go in and destroy what the world had built up in your life. He literally asked you to go out there and destroy what liberty demands in your life is that you are to utterly abolish everything that hell is built in your life. You are to walk away from it and be done with it. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. The church is not preaching sanctification yes, sir. anymore. Yes, sir. 
they're preaching that, oh, all right, God understands. And yes, God does understand. They're preaching God is a God of love. And yes, God is a God of love. But my God is a God of justice. My God is a God of judgment. My God is a God that will go out of Gilgal and find you in your place of Bochum and ask you, Ben, why have you done what you've done? Just like he did Adam. He said, Adam, wherefore art thou? Why are you hiding from me? In other words, God will bring you to a crisis of belief to where you'll have to make up your mind that I'm not going to live like that anymore. Amen. To disregard the voice of God is to incur the reproof and the correction both of your God and the correction of men. When you refuse to listen to the voice of the Lord, and you continually schedule your life the way you want to schedule your life, God will call the disobedient to account every time. You are going to pay your account. Now, I love that song that said the old account was settled long ago. Amen. Amen. How many glad the old account was settled long ago? Amen. Well, I can shout about the old account. Well, what about the new account? That's right. <laughs> that, that song is wonderful. The old account, what I've done a long time ago, God took care of that was settled long ago. But what about the new account? Is the new account settled long ago? Or are you still at the point that you're going to live the way you want to live, do whatever you want to do? How many more times are you going to have to stand in front of a casket of a nephew or stand in front of the casket of a niece or stand in the front of the casket of a little child and look at there and feel all that pain and never do nothing to reach out to save that generation? How much longer are we going to be in that situation? How much longer is it that God is going to have to walk to us and say, you have not obeyed my voice? Why have you done this? You had to obey my voice. You see, victory ceases with fidelity and infidelity. If you do not be trustful unto the Lord, you lose your victory. If you don't stand on your covenant, you lose your victory. I sung tonight, open it up, victory is mine. Everybody hold out and say, victory is mine. I preach tonight, or Sunday's tonight, and says, Salvation is mine, deliverance is mine, the Holy Ghost is mine. Thank God, all of that is mine. Amen. It's mine if I want it. But if I don't want it, Angie, you know what happens? I lose the victory. If I don't want it, you know what happens? I lose the salvation. If I don't want it, I don't want it bad enough, I lose the anointing of the Holy Ghost. If I don't want it bad enough, I lose all of my deliverance. Yes, victory is mine, but the church is dangerously at the point to where we're about to lose the victory that God has given us. Help us, Lord. Amen. Because God says, I will not drive them out before you no more. I don't want this church to get in that situation, though. I don't want this church, I don't want your ministry to get in that situation. I want your ministry to be so anointed when you go out there to reach out to these people that really need God, that the devils know you're coming and they run from everybody when you show up. And they'll start coming out of the rocks and the caves and the thorns and the hedges and all this stuff that they're hiding in to come to the church to get saved. I want the anointing of God to be so strong on Janice's ministry when she stands up and minister women come running to her that need to be pulled out of that situation. I want the anointing on Thelma's ministry and on Betty's ministry to be so powerful that when they stand up to say a few words, the anointing of the Lord grabs a hold of the most wicked sinner and shakes them until they give their heart unto the Lord. But if we don't get serious, we can get up here and we talk that we blew in the face. And it ain't going to change the soul. Amen. Because disobedience is a seed 
in your life that leads to more disobedience. The more you disobey, the gods of this world will snare you. And when they snare you, they will literally take you down and God's anger will be waxed against you. It may be said of all sin as it was said of vegetable life of the morning of creation that in sin, the seed of it is in itself. The more sin you do, the more seed you plant. The more times you open up your mouth and you use them words that curse you and curse God, you're sowing a seed of damnation in your life. Anytime that you open up your mouth and you curse one of God's workmanship, right. you are also cursing yourself. Right. You are planting a seed in your life to kill yourself. Every time that you are hurting your body and taking uh, taking drugs that literally are altering your mind to the point where you got to have it high in your life and abusing it, you are literally bringing more curse on you. That's why you get worse and worse and worse. Those seeds take root and they begin to grow in your life and they get stronger and stronger. And every time you're able to lay out a church, it's easier the next time to lay out of the church because the seed is in that sin. Yes. Help us, Lord. Amen. The man who transgresses so sin in his own heart. Every time you do something, you're sowing that sin in your heart. And then that sin, that seed on the inside of you, it naturally becomes fruitful. And it's grounded naturally. And it becomes to be fertile in your life. And after a while, what's in your heart comes out of your heart. But church, God's commandments are written so plainly upon the tables of Scripture. They're written so plainly. And man's violation of them appears so clearly upon the tables of life. And when God begins to expose sin, conviction certainly and immediately follows. And I believe that God is putting His church under conviction. You see, the first move of revival is if my people will humble themselves and pray. If my people will finally come off their high horse and say, I ain't as righteous as Paul I was. If my people will say, no, don't look at me like I am the, the most righteous person. I got some defects myself. If we'll quit judging the world and start judging us. If we'll look into the halls of this church and say, why is it that we can't get people to come to this church? Let me tell you why. And I hope every one of you ain't here tonight here is just because it's the truth. The reason why this church ain't growing is half of you don't come. It ain't because they ain't good music. It ain't because they ain't good doctrine. It ain't because they ain't a good preacher. And it ain't because they ain't the love of the Lord. And it ain't because they ain't the power of God showing up in this house. It's because people that know you're supposed to come to this church know you're sitting home and it's time to come to the church. And if it continually is allowed, then we ain't got no testimony. All right. All right. Am I preaching the truth? Yes, sir. So what are we going to do about it? That's the question then. What are we going to do about it? If my people will humble themselves and pray, turn from the wicked face and seek my face, he says, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. If is the biggest word in the English vocabulary. Why don't you just look at your neighbor, smile at him tonight and say, I want to see you humble. 
Now let me share something with you. I can preach to you that I'm blue in the face. I can stand up here and I can preach to you that I'm 105. And I can preach on your sin every day. I can get all in your business and make you so mad with me you ready to pull my eyes out of my head. I can do all that, but I will never humble being taught. I can preach all day long, but I will never humble myself in my preaching. The only way I can humble myself is that I look at myself and I see my defect. And when I see my defect, I do not raise myself up higher than what I am. Just because I'm standing behind this microphone tonight does not mean I'm any better than you are. Amen. It does not mean I live any closer to God than you are. What it means is that I have submitted something to the Lord and said, Lord, anoint it and I'll use it for yeah. you. That's all that means. That's all that means. That means that God is using my mouth and my mind and my vessel to be able to speak to you. That's all it means. It means that you got the opportunity yeah. and the talent yeah. and the gifts and the ability to do the very same yeah. thing. You are no less than I am, and I ain't no greater than you are. The ground yes. is level at the foot of the cross. We are all oh, needing to be yes. humble. Yes. We're all got to learn how to look at our own yes. self and be constantly aware of our defect on a 24-hour, seven-day yes. uh, week, 365-day basis, and know and realize that when we are talking about God's workmanship, we are yes. talking about ourselves. The Bible says every time that you complain and you criticize, you are sharing with everybody your own weakness. Gracious, boy, that's scary, ain't it? When you look at Sister Sissy and you point out what's wrong with Sissy, you're telling the person that you're telling what's wrong with Sissy exactly what's wrong with you. Now, that ain't Kip's word. That's God's word. When Betty looks at Thelma and said, I love Thelma, I think the world was Thelma, I said, but. And she starts talking about where Thelma's problem's at. Betty's saying, Tina, listen to me real good. Here's my problem. Because Thelma don't really care. She's got a problem with her own. That's right. That's right. Who does? Betty's the one with the problem. She's sharing her weakness, not, not Thelma's weakness. And the devil would make you think that Betty's talking about Thelma. But no. You're not talking about Thelma, Betty. You're talking about Betty. All right. Well, that's scary. Isn't it? And see, if you can wipe away all them lies and to that own self be true, that's when you can be true to everybody else. Now, I'm going to tell you what. The Lord is wanting the church to be delivered in 2022. Amen. And the reason why he's wanting us to be delivered is because there is a generation out there yes. that do not know God. Amen. They don't have, they've not seen the works of God. They have never experienced the revival of God. They do not know what it's like to see someone that is hooked on drugs be delivered. Amen. They don't know what it's like to see someone like myself that ain't supposed to be walking that's still walking. That's right. They don't know what it's like to have God show up right at the nick of time and deliver them yes. from going to jail. Yes. And a bunch of us are right. sitting in here and we should have been in jail, but the Lord showed up yes, and delivered sir. us. Yes, so we need to quit running down the people that's in the jail house and start reaching out to them yeah. so that we can get them saved under yeah. the power of Almighty God. Amen. Now I'm telling you, the church is set up on their high righteous thing, holding on to the world, pulling the world into the church, trying to pull these people in and all this stuff. And yeah, there's a little of them that's going, but they have not experienced the God that that's I serve. Right. And right. when the church begins to experience the God that I serve, you ain't got to have a gimmick. You ain't got to have no music. You ain't got to have no yes, dark eyes. All you got to have is the power and the glory. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Change that's right. 
Every holiday, I'll say nevertheless. God said in 2022, as I should have. He says, I am bringing the spirit of the judges back to the house of God. I am raising some judges up. I'm going to raise some Samsons up. I'm going to raise some Deborahs up. I'm going to raise some Othniels up. I'm going to raise some Ehuds up. I'm going to raise some mighty men of David up. Amen. I'm going to get some people that ain't scared of the devil anymore that is ready to face their fears and will run the line down on a snowy day in the pit and destroy that line, stand up in front of the giants and slay them with their own weapon. I am going to have some people that will stand up in their territory and stand in the position I tell them to stand up in and fight the enemy and yeah. not give up ground because yeah. I don't care how little it looks, it is significant in the eye of Almighty God. Yeah. Turn to your neighbor here tonight and ask him say, why have you done this? That's a good question. I'm not throwing that off to you to bring any judgment. I'm asking you why you done Why did you get up tonight and come to church? Why did you do that? Why did you do that? Why did you give your heart to the Lord? Why is it that you're coming to the prayer service and you're praying? Why is it that you're reading your word? Why is it that you're praying to the Lord? Why is it that we are showing the world that we love our God and that God loves us? Why is it that we're doing all this? I want you to know one of the reasons why I'm doing it is when I'm not able to stand behind this pulpit anymore, that boy that plays the right. drums over there stand behind That's this pulpit right. again. That's, right. That's why I'm doing it. I'm doing it because I'm trying to reach people after me. Yeah. Now, I'm thankful that all of y'all are saved and you're in here behind me and all this stuff, but we've got to get together on one thought and we got to realize we've got to reach these children. Yes, sir. Stop thinking a minute. How many of them tonight is getting high? How many of them right now is in the nightclubs of the world? How many of them right now are killing themselves with alcohol? How many of them is killing themselves with drugs? How many of them tonight will be in the hospital in the morning overdosed? How many of them come next Sunday they won't be at church? How many of them is your child that will not be here? How many of your children believe that they are messed up sexually? They were born a woman, but they think they're a man. Or they were born a man, and they think they're a woman. How many of them is messed up like that? How many of them has ever had the opportunity to walk into a schoolroom and have a, pre a teacher stand up and say, okay, stand up. We're going to pray to God that's this right, morning. Right. How many of you had that go on in your church or in your, in your school? Yes. Everybody hold your hand up if it happened. Sure. I guarantee if you'd ask your children if it ever happened to them, they'd never seen it. Never seen it. They were never taught that. The devil don't want them to know that. Why? Because they are the chosen generation. That's right, that's right. The devil started taking prayer out of school in 1962, four years before I was ever born. It won't because my generation wasn't going to be able to pray. And he knew that there was a residual where mama and daddy was going to keep them going to the church because when I was coming up, bros, the church dictated the calendar of the church that's or the right, community. Right. If the church was doing something Saturday, the whole community that's came. Right. If they were throwing an event, the whole community came. If a singing was going, the whole community came. When Sunday morning was here, the whole community came. 
Now, it's, you better be lucky that somebody in the house here has been blessed enough from the Lord to keep the lights and stuff on. Amen. And then we got the gumption and the gall to call up a preacher and say, I'm doing everything I know to do and all hell is breaking loose in my life. Don't do that to me. Because if you do that to me, boy, I'm going to lay into you like you ain't never been laid into your life. Because you have not done everything you're supposed to do. You are, you are the brother of the prodigal son. I've always worshipped you. I've always done exactly what you told me. I'm doing everything and everything. I know you ain't. Where were you at Sunday night? Where were you at Sunday morning? Why didn't you show up for prayer? Why didn't you read your scripture yesterday? Why didn't you pray? Why didn't you reach out to somebody and talk to them? Why didn't you help them? Boy, we can really throw some stuff out to people. The Bible says there's a generation behind us that does not know God and they don't know his works. Turn to your neighbor and smile at him tonight and say, how does that affect you? <laughs>